Welcome back to This Is Jazz Today. My name is Nick Finzer, and I'm here with Alan Blanchard. And today we are talking about releases from last month, that being February 2019. And Alan, thank you so much for being here, and thanks for putting together another great version of our playlist. Yeah, of course. Like I said, it's always fun to see the the new stuff coming out and get some new perspectives. Yeah, I was checking out some of spotify's playlist this morning and there were some cool things i haven't seen if you picked some of the same stuff or not nope Ooh, that would be interesting. not necessarily some of the same records but not right. not all the same stuff which is cool but um there's a lot of good stuff starting off the year a lot of um big names some other not as big names but um so if you don't know how to find the this is jazz today playlist it's on spotify it's on our outside in music spotify account if you just Google This Is Jazz Today Outside of Music or search for that on Spotify. You'll be able to find it. Click subscribe and uh, we add to the same playlist every month. So we've got January in there and then adds February, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, throughout the year. So you can kind of see some of the stuff that's coming out. What I've discovered as I was an Apple Music user for the last couple of years and I've switched over totally to Spotify to try to see that. And I've discovered that it's actually sometimes really hard to find new stuff other than on the curated playlists on Spotify. So this is a great way to be able to um, see some new stuff that's happening. Alan takes the time to go and actually look, look up what came out and then find it on Spotify and add it to the playlist. So um, this is a good way for discovery of new stuff throughout the year. So go ahead and subscribe to the playlist. That was a long intro, but uh, (laughs) what did you find this, uh, this month, Alan? Um, a lot more trombone players than I thought existed in the world of jazz. Well, that's because trombone players are taking over the world and, uh, we're the best musicians. So there you go. (laughs) Well, starting off uh, with track number 10, um, it's this new group called, uh, becoming, and they little the soft, the becoming quintet, um, which I actually got because, uh, one of my friends is on it. Um, and I listened to it and, you know, I was very surprised, pleasantly surprised. They've played a lot. Um, they just got back from the, um, the Mid-Atlantic Jazz Festival out in uh, Maryland. Um, and they're all, or at least what I think, they're all Michigan State uh, students or I past so. students or whatnot. Um, so I knew of the drummer, Zach Edelman, um, but they also have Eric Wurtzman on trumpet, Marcus Howell on sax, Luther Allison on piano, uh, Lang Mateo on bass, and specifically the track I picked also has uh, Mike D's playing trombone. Yeah, I think Mike was the kind of the connector from MSU to Positone with the label that it came out on because Mike yeah. puts all his records out on Positone. I think he was the he was the facilitator. Yeah, and it, I mean it's a great record. It's certainly um, you know straight ahead as people would expect. Um, it kind of has that vibe of. Um, like you're still studying in school. So like you really are, are heavily influenced by the records that school is kind of forcing you to check out and whatnot. Um, but they're writing their own music and the, the band sounds great together. Um, I didn't know it was Mike D's playing at first. And so when it got to the trombone, so I was like, man, this cat's killing <laughs> like this <is> a student <laughs> and like I'm screwed. <laughs> um, but it's reassuring to hear that it was Mike D's playing. Um <laughs> I mean, still, it's scary the way that he plays the trombone. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So de- I definitely recommend uh, checking out. It's certainly someone that's uh, more in, on this must playlist, a, a little bit more straight ahead, you know, a little bit more uh, definitely coming from a school of bebop. Um, definitely your, your traditional quintet sound. 
and it's it's overall a really good record. I'm really excited to see what else they've put out. They have like the individual musicians have really impressive uh, um, histories is where they've played and whatnot. I met Zach while we were out in the Christian McBride band, but he was even on uh, recording percussion on like Ted Nash's big band record. Um, and he's all from uh, that jazz house or jazz playhouse kids. Jazz, jazz house, house kids. Jazz, jazz house, house kids. kids. Yeah. Yeah. They're with uh, Christian McBride thing in, uh, in Jersey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And actually Zach, I've hired Zach a couple times to play with me in Detroit. So, Oh, see, there you go. Yeah. It's all, it's all connected. It's all connected. Small world, man. Small world. Yeah, man. And uh, yeah, number nine here, I see another friend of mine. And, yeah. Uh, I mean, a I, lot of great trombone players on this record. I, I happen to know this one. Yeah, I, I kind of am. I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are. Have you listened to it, I assume? Um, I have listened to it, and I actually have a physical copy of the CD sitting right here on my shelf. So what are, you, what are your thoughts on it? To people that, don't, uh, that aren't looking at the playlist right now, we're talking about Jennifer Wharton's record that she put out um, called Bonegasm, which I guess like she kind of headed the project, but it's really a, a trombone quartet with a rhythm section. Yeah, I mean, it's a, yeah. you know, it's a modern trombone quartet rhythm section record. I don't know. It's a, so what do you think about it though? Like what is, what is your perspective on trombone quartet plus rhythm section? Uh, I mean, sometimes it's a little egregious, like just not everyone wants to hear that, but I mean, I think she's targeting the right audience. She's playing at all the uh, trombone festivals this year. And, and I mean, her husband is John Fedchok. And so that's already half the quartet right there. Right. And, uh, <laughs> you know, bringing in a couple other people to do it. I mean, they're, they're all great musicians. Alan Ferber's on there. And uh, I think Nate Mayland is the other yep. cat on there. And uh, they're just, you know, great New York musicians and just kind of playing some arrangements of tunes. I think it's, you know, it's like a fun, to me, it's like a fun project. You know, it's not supposed to be like reinventing the wheel. It's not Ambrose, you know, it's right. supposed to be good, fun music. I w- yeah. And I, c- I completely agree. I think that was probably the best way to describe it. I was curious to hear your response because, you know, you're certainly biased. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, I like trombone. Right. I yeah, like, it's, it's but cool. not too much trombone. So it's like good. There's like, you can only handle so many of those records per year. So it's like, this is her. She put it out early in the year so that she gets to own it for the whole year. Well, and I will say to most people, um, if you're not a huge fan of trombone, which for me, it's sometimes hit or miss. <laughs> um, oh, come on. <laughs> just get, get past the melody. Because I'll certainly say like, that is something that's new for me um, is hearing the, the voicings in that manner because it, you know, it's not your, it's, it's different when you have the variety of like alto tenor trump trumpet, you know, versus having the trombone and they do a really good job uh, of voicing and, and harmonizing the melody in places. But really where it starts to open up, I think is once you get to um, where people are soloing and being able to hear like the different styles going through people's different interpretations. Uh, personally, I picked a great track tricketism. Um, love that standard. Yeah. And, and, and it's great, it. you know, going on. But yeah, I'll I'll say that immediately when you first might listen to it, you might be like, oh, four trombones in a rhythm section. And it's just it's like a wall of sound coming at you. But just That's get right. past that. That's to the, the best solos. part. <laughs> <laughs> Once you get to the solo sections, it'll start, you know, I think t- to the people that might be a little um, uh, hesitant with it, with that type of an instrumentation, though, their minds will really be changed by a lot of great playing. Yeah, no, it, I, I don't know why you're saying that. I think it's great. <laughs> So number uh, eight, number eight, we got something just kind of a little more out of left field here. Yeah, I again, okay. The honestly, the way that I find these things sometimes is I just you know Google what came out right, and then I'll choose to listen to some, choose not to listen to others. 
And then this was actually something that I originally was introduced to through like Winton did a gig at Dizzy's or was a part of his gig at Dizzy's with Elmo. I don't know if you saw like the footage of this. Uh, I did not see show. this. I heard yeah. about it and I saw it on Joe's Facebook. Yeah. So they had, again, it's led by another trombone player, Joe Fidler, Fiedler, Fiedler. Yep. Fiedler. And um, so I saw it because I don't follow trombone. I follow Wynton Marcellus a lot. Um, and he was doing this hit at Dizzy's and they had like Elmo on stage and I was really confused as to what was going on. Um, and so he put together this band that's, uh, Joe Feidler on trombone, Jeff Ledler on soprano and tenor, Sean Connolly on a, which is really close to Sean Connery on electric <laughs> bass and, um, Michael, sorry, Sar- Saren. Saren, Saren, yeah. Saren on drums. Um, and I guess Steve Bernstein's a guest on there with trumpet and slide trumpet at some point in time, which again, trying to get back to this trombone thing. Um, and he's a trumpet player. Come on. Yeah. 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 But you know, slide, slide trumpet. It's, it's interesting. Anyways, he does, he does this whole record, which, um, I guess has started from, from what I've read about a little bit is Joe got back into this kind of like revitalization of Sesame street. Well, he is um, the he's the music director. He writes a lot of the music for Sesame Street. Yeah, and so they're they're talking about how this happened, and then he just kind of started to to run with it and really like grow this music to to a whole nother level. And when he put out this project, um, it's a there's a lot of tracks on it. It's seventeen, but a lot of these clips, you know, are, are a little bit shorter because of the nature of them. Um, mm-hmm. And so I picked this one, uh, just the Sesame Street theme, just because it, first off, that was the one that I can most easily relate to, you know, because mm-hmm. I think there's been several versions of that that have come out like Maynard had hit version and whatnot. Um, and it's a really, it's a really cool project, honestly. Um, and they do a very good job um, establishing, like sometimes when you get like these cordless trios or not trios, you know, quartets, quintets, it's kind of a little hard to follow the harmony, but I think that the way that they go about it and the way that Sean Conley approaches playing the electric bass, he, he, um, you know, does more than just walk. So it, it really establishes like a firm, uh, uh harmony to, to follow throughout. And it's, you know, it kind of brought me back to my kid days, listening to, uh, watching Sesame street and whatnot. And especially if they've had all these great jazz musicians come on the show when it was going down. Right. Yeah. 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 That's cool. Yeah, Joe is kind of a. I, I usually put him. He usually plays a lot of Latin music, a lot of salsa. He's played with all like the legendary salsa, you know, musicians in New York, and then uh, plays kind of a little, you know, more adventurously. You know, he's he's not afraid to explore different sounds on the trombone. Yeah, I definitely think people will enjoy it. If if for anything else than just oh hey, it's an it's a weird or not weird, but an interesting and new take on Sesame Street themes that I think everyone's grown up in. Whether you are an adult now, you know, and if you have kids, you certainly hear it in the background. Or really, anybody has seen Sesame Street in, in some way or another, and it's 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 really cool. All right, we can finally move away from trombone players. We got our fill. We got two in a row. So I won't say anything about any of yeah, the you got true in a row, but the here. first one had like four trombones on it. All right. So next we have uh, guitar, guitar trio. Yeah. Um, next. And I, I know a lot of people, at least a lot of my friends have been talking about this um, record coming out. 
uh, Julian Lodge's record, um, which is his third, I think, on Mac Avenue. Uh, I don't know if it's Mac Avenue. It might be. Um, I'm I'm gonna go with Mac Avenue. I'm pretty sure it's Mac Avenue. The uh, trio features um, Jorge Roder on bass, and then uh, Dave King on drums, who's also from the Bad Plus. Um, if people know him from there, mm-hmm. um, but it's it's a very um, it's it's a really like open record in in my mind. It kind of has like a lot of the same sounds that like you'd hear of like Brian Blade or maybe you know some Ambrose here and out and and it's really um the sound is very much like following a, a through composed composition necessarily rather than just like plain tunes which sure. i think people expect if they've you know listened to Julian Lodge before um as he's played with people like Gary Burton and John Zorn um and so he's done duos with like Fred Hirsch and of course all these people. And if you're a huge fan of of guitar, this is certainly I think where a lot of people are putting like modern guitar, um, like along among him and uh, Glaude Hexelman and whatnot. So it's it's really interesting. The the piece I picked in Heaven is certainly a little bit more um, ethereal, mm-hmm. um, but it, it's it's an interesting thing to kind of put on and just listen. And not like necessarily, I mean, I don't know about you. I get into the habit of like constantly analyzing it and thinking about the tune and whatnot. Sure. Yeah. Um, so that if you can just put it on and just like listen for the sake of listening, though, um, he takes you to a lot of different places with colors wise and, and motifs and, and thematic approach. It's really cool. Honestly, I like his compositions a lot. Nice. All right. So we now, of course, an obligatory trumpet post here. In, into the playlist, Jeremy Pelt. Yeah, and I, we, I mean, and we had talked about his um his single uh, that first came right. out last month with uh, Watercolors, and so this is Jeremy Pelt's um, new record called Jeremy Pelt the Artist. Um, and so it features, which did you know? Well, we'll get there. So Victor Gould's on piano, Vincent uh, Vicente Archer's on bass, um, Alan uh, Menard on drums. Alex Wentz on guitar, if you didn't know. Yeah. Um, Chin Lu on vibes in uh, Marimba, and then Frank Lacrosto on Fender and Rhodes. Um, so I didn't know that Alex Wentz was on this. I can't. I didn't think you uh, mentioned it last time we talked about it. Just I don't saying. think I knew that he was on it. He never said anything about it. Oh. Well, here's my advice. And this is kind of, uh, it was an interesting album to listen to. Um because the first part of it is actually a suite. Okay. And then the last four are, are individual tracks and whatnot. And it's something that I had to find his liner notes on online um, and explained a little bit more sense because they, um, he starts talking about like these works of art and um, you know, it was all these different pieces and, and whatnot are based upon um, like Dante's Divine Comedy and like the burgers of Kali and, and all these different pieces of art that kind of inspired him to write in this way, which I think made a little bit more sense when I went to go back to it mm-hmm. um, because it's all based around uh, this sculptor, uh, Auguste Rodin, uh, who's Rodin, this uh, yeah. 19th... Rodin, thanks. See how cultured I am. Yeah, man, um, come on. <laughs> from this 19th century uh, French sculptor. Um, and so it's, it's really interesting, I think, to see people take on these, um, concepts with, um, 
writing with with something like a sp- very specific muse mm-hmm. that is not like a this broad subject of like oh it's about you know love or it's like my version of standards you know it's like he took on this very specific uh, inspiration that he took from the sculptor and then wrote all these movements about it and whatnot which then you can kind of see that even though there's a suite there's the the following songs kind of tie into it a little bit with like ceramic or watercolors etc cetera, etc cetera, you know um, so I didn't pick watercolors because obviously we had done that last time. Um, did with the closing track on the al- album as of now, which, uh, yeah, I mean, Jeremy Pelt is a phenomenal trumpet player. And I think in here, anyone and everyone should be listening to him and he's doing great things. Yeah. Oh man. Totally. And I guess, uh, I'm stealing part of his band now. I, or I have because <laughs> Victor played on my last record too. Yeah. And uh, Alex Wentz is, you know, doing a lot of projects with, uh, he's also like rarely with Etienne too. So Etienne Charles. Yep. Yeah. He's all over, man. He's a, he's a bad dude. Definitely. Um, excellent. So moving on to our next, next track. Yeah. Allison did you Miller. know about Allison Miller at all? Yeah, I know. I've known about her for a while. All right. Well, surprise to me. Um, she, <laughs> she has this record that came out. Uh, with her band that's called Boom Tick Boom, uh, which I found way too funny when I first discovered this. Oh, Alan. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, um, But okay, so she has this uh, sextet, which I thought was really interesting instrumentation, first off, um, of bass, piano, drums, and then like the three instruments out front are violin, clarinet, and coronet. Um, Which was really interesting. It's, It's certainly a... Um, not to say like, like it kind of has that same vibe of like maybe some things that snarky puppy has done in the sense of like, there's so much of like an ethno music approach to this and so many different types of genres are brought into, um, this, like they cover like Jamaican reggae beats at some points, like Afro Cuban piano influence, Mm -hmm. um, stuff all the way back to like Ellington, like new Orleans style, um, brought into it. And so that's really refreshing, I think, especially as you're going through like from track to track, hearing all these varying influences on it. It's also, like I said, uh, it's really interesting colors to have violin, cornet and clarinet um, up front. And even when like Ben Goldberg, the clarinetist on the record, um, somehow played like a contra alto clarinet on the record, too. So it's interesting to hear like all those varying colors there. Um, and mm-hmm. I think people that are, it, it almost kind of has like that vibe of like the earlier, um, like New Orleans bands where you had, you know, like clarinet having its role, cornet, trombone, um, and you know, you know, the marching band and, and all that, like the sextet and septets then, but with like a modern approach and take on it. Um, and right, I think right. that it's, it's, I don't know. It's like, I don't really know how to describe it yet but it's something that I've really enjoyed listening to. And it's very, um, when I've shown it to a couple of friends, they were kind of like, okay, you know, like it took them a second because you're just like really taken aback by all the different influences. But then once you get into it, like you're just sold. So I think it's something for people that haven't listened to like myself or people like you, that's known of Allison Miller and what's not. Um, it's, I would definitely recommend listening to it. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's fun (laughs) to listen to. Yeah, no, of course. Uh, okay, and then this next one, I don't know anything about this one. That's great, because I didn't either. Okay. 
Um, so James Brandon Lewis is a uh, tenor saxophone player. Um, the other people on the album are Luke Stewart on bass, Warren Trey Crudrup the third on drums, Jamie Branch on trumpet, and Anthony Prague on guitar. Um, and again, like I talked to you, or like I said before, I just find this stuff by looking it up, seeing what's new out there. I write down a list, and I listen to some of the tracks off of it. Um, and this one kind of stuck out to me um, because it's it's kind of like they're de- he depicts and dedicates a song to Charlie Hayden with the way mm-hmm. that they started. And so like from what I've read online with various reviews and whatnot, the way that he goes about this is kind of like dedicating a new track to a different artist that he's looked up to. Um, for example, uh, beauty is a rare thing is kind of like his illusion of, uh, to Ornette. And then he has like some influence from Steve Coleman in there. And then he's referenced, uh, Coltrane in some ways. And they talk about, um, how Jimmy branch is kind of branching, branching off bad word, but branching off from Don Cherry. Um, and the way that he approaches it. And so this is another very uh, ethereal type track. Um, they have a lot of effects that they use like while the, on the sax and whatnot, um, putting in like echoing and and um, delays and whatnot. And I think it's, it's really, um, it's not an album that I was able to sit down and go like, you know, start to finish, start to finish. But it's certainly a very um, thought out like concept album. Um, because they go through and they have like this opening uh, called Year 59, where it's like a, only a minute long. I and mean, it goes into this long, the longest piece on the album, which is what I picked on Unruly. Or sorry, the album is called Unruly Manifesto. I picked uh, Aiden is Beauty. And when it goes on and you have like a pillar one, which is a joyful acceptance. And then it plays some more music and goes into like a pillar two. And then it goes like it wraps up with this other pillar. So it's very much like this concept album. Um, dedicating going through like all these different musicians that he's looked up to and whatnot, but it's, it's, it was interesting, you know, and I put it on here because it's something new that I think people should check out, see what their opinions are on it. Um, because he's really like shows obvious influences as well of like rock and roll and hip hop and whatnot while still paying tribute, I guess you could say, or showing like some influences from these great people like, you know, Dewey Redman. Um, Don Cherry, Coltrane, Charlie Hayden, et cetera, et cetera. Totally. Nice. I'll have to check that one out. I'll have to check. That's, that's very interesting. Uh, number three, we're getting to the top three here now. Uh, we have Alfredo Rodriguez. And uh, I guess it's fitting that he's playing this tune because his mentor is Quincy Jones. Right. Um, so, yeah, it's a great duo record. Uh, I first picked up Alfredo uh, Rodriguez from Quincy, obviously, and like social media and various things uh, that they've posted there. And so these are um, two Cuban um, musicians that, uh, and Alfredo Rodriguez, if you haven't heard him, he's like ridiculous at some of the yeah, stuff that he, he puts on his, um, like the, the rhythms that he puts on tracks and whatnot. And so they do their version, uh, which only makes sense because with Quincy being his mentor, their take on Thriller. Um. And the, I mean, the record as a whole, it's, it's just a duo project of percussion and um, in piano, but they, they have like some playful, more playful ones. Like they do also a version of like Super Mario Brothers 3. Yeah, I saw um, that on the other playlist. Yeah, but Thriller, I, I wanted to pick it because I think people will be able to relate to that a little bit. And it's, it's a real hip version of it. And I know that Quincy, the, the kind of guy that he is, 
was probably very encouraging of that and and dug it a lot. So if people are really into Latin music and, and Cuban influences, I think they will um, be a huge fan of this. Now, the master percussionist that is uh, Martinez, he was actually um, the first place at the Monk Institute of Jazz Afro-Latin hand drum competition oh, back in 98. Okay. And he's uh, really much Alfredo Sr. I think he's like 10 or 11 years older than him. So okay. they, they get together and they put together, um, put together this stuff and they've played around like Montreux and um, I know uh, Pedrito, I think that's how you pronounce it. I easily could be wrong. Martinez has played with like Winton and Sting and Bruce Springsteen. Like he's been a lot of, uh, a lot of projects with that and has, has his own uh, quintet or quartet, sorry, um, that was released on uh, Motema Music. But it's really, it's really good, um, especially hearing like these cu- very strong Cuban influences of uh, tunes that you're really familiar with, and then hearing some that are that you're not. That is certainly more of their culture, and then seeing how they play it and and how they present it to people that may or may not have ever heard it before, um, which is also interesting because like my roommate is Cuban, so I would put on some of this, and he would, you know, he would recognize it um, as stuff that his family's listened to. And, and we'll be into it, but they are killing a lot of complex rhythm, rhythmic stuff going on um, and makes you have to, uh, you know, it makes you need to focus, but like, it, it's not one of those where like you have to focus because you're not enjoying it. Like it just makes you focus by bringing you back into what they're doing. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It keeps you interested. Yeah. Nice. Now this next record, number two for the, I, I, Thought I actually thought I was gonna like this record more than I think that I do. Oh, that's I cool, man! Listened to the whole record a couple of times on a flight, and I wanted to like it a lot, but I just I don't know. I'm not sure what you thought. You let people know what it is first, and then we can talk about it. Yeah, I mean, I like it. It's so it's, it's uh, Chris Potter's new record, Circuits. Um, which I don't know if we've talked about this before, but if you also look at the album cover, you can see like Chris Potter and Circuits, like built into the design yeah it's really pretty cool. crazy looking it's like uh it took me a minute to be able to see that yeah and I, I mean i enjoy it because i enjoy marveling at that of chris potter <laughs> sure because I mean, he yeah, is amazing. ridiculous at saxophone and i think a lot of saxophonists that are coming up now that are in college or whatever would easily cite him as one of the more influence whether of them because a they haven't really checked out everybody else yet and b he just plays ridiculous stuff on the saxophone and who wouldn't love to be able to do that Mm -hmm. um but i you know i also really like eric harlan's playing um which certainly helped but i i think i can understand like your hesitation with it because it's not something that again i can put on any time of the day it's like something that I have to put on when I'm in the mindset and like, okay, I'm going to go appreciate Chris Potter's playing. Uh, sure. Sure. Um, it's certainly not something. Um, and this is me not down talking their playing cause they could cut me any day of the week, but it's, it's not something that I can just dr- casually drive into and putting on in the car. Sure. Sure. Um, I mean, what were your thoughts on the record of a whole since You know, this is interesting now because usually a lot of these you've listened to bits or pieces, but you've listened to this. So what did you think of it? I, um, I felt like I, I I just felt like I liked previous versions of his trios with this instrumentation more. And maybe I'm just 
biased because I heard those ones first. Oh, no, 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 no. I would definitely um, agree with that. And uh, and that sounds bad, but I would definitely agree. Like his record Lift, Live at the Village yeah, Vanguard. Right. Yeah, or I the Underground if, record. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if it has just like more like fire to it or like, I don't know. And I know that they recorded this at like a different studio and like, I don't know. Like it just doesn't have that same sound. Like, I don't know if it's just the sound of it is different or it's too electronic and it's not like the other ones are electronic too. So I don't think that has anything to do with it. I just think, you know, certain records connect with different people, different, different amounts, I guess. I mean, I loved that lift record. I loved the follow the red line record. I guess that was a quartet, but still no bass. So it has nothing to do with that. I'm not really sure, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you. I, there's certainly, you know, by no means am I being like, Hey, this is the baddest record he's ever released because I was a huge fan of that record. Um, lift or the underground record, or even the fall of the red line that he did live at the village Vanguard. Um, but I also am a fan of, you know, new music coming out, <laughs> which I, yeah, I, know, totally. I, mean, I know you are too. Yeah. Um, and I think I could understand maybe why it's, it's going in this different direction just because maybe there's a feel of the need for something new. Definitely. You know. And I definitely appreciate the, you know, trying to try some new things and go different directions and get new players and all that stuff. It's totally great. I'm not saying it's not a great record. It's just, I guess, not my favorite of the Chris Potter records. That's sure. All. Sure. All right. So let's let people make their own assessment. I don't want to jade them to my biases here, but uh, so let's, why don't you tell people about the last track here? Yeah, uh, the last track is uh, a project out by one of my favorite vocalists that I guess is out right now, um, and I hope I don't slaughter her name, uh, Surreal Amy. I think that's how it goes. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so she was a uh, student up at Purchase for a while, um, phenomenal vocalist, and she did this project now called Move On, a Sondheim Adventure. Um, which I found really interesting because she was actually a part of, um, so back in like 2013, well, let's farther before that. So 2012 is when she won the Saravanja international jazz competition, mm -hmm. which obviously, you know, gains you a lot of publicity and people start checking you out and whatnot if they haven't already been. Um, and so 2013, I don't know if you remember this or saw it or anything. There was that production, a bed in a chair, a New York love story which featured um, Jazz at Lincoln Center Orchestra and like a lot of vocalists in front of the band, which was a collaboration between Winton and Sondheim. Hmm. I don't know if I saw that. Okay, so they, they brought, obviously, because it's like Sondheim's music, they brought in a lot of Broadway talent for it, mm -hmm. um, like Norm Lewis sang, Jeremy Jordan sang, et cetera. But who uh, brought on was uh, Cyril Amy, who sang uh, Live Alone and Like It. And like people were loved it. Like it was really great. And it, I think, I think what maybe made the connection for people more was maybe that she's coming from this more traditional, like jazz background and her take on it. Okay. Um, so she did that. And then evidently that's when she kind of really started to check out Sondheim and, and got really into it and whatnot. And that's now all leading up to her bringing on this project, um, which is all versions of, um, and, and her inspiration of Sondheim's music. Um, and she covers a lot of varying 
um, colors throughout it. Like there's one of them that has like a string quartet behind it and all, and it kind of brings in like that French, um, like gypsy jazz almost kind of vibe that certainly is in her roots in some, uh, right, especially yeah, with that's having what she does. Yeah. And she has a, like a trio of French musicians behind her too. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really interesting, um, especially with, you know, my only exposure to Sondheim's music has been playing in some pit gigs. Sure. So um, it's it's interesting to hear other people's interpretations of it. And I must say, you know, through the vehicle of her music, <laughs> it maybe has made Sondheim a little bit more enjoyable for me um, okay. because his music is certainly like really through compose and is very... Um, very modern musicals a lot and and very intense. I think the first one I played from him was like his musical assassins. Um, and they were very, it was almost a little irritating for me because I'm very much uh, like the second there was like a motif where I'm like, all right, I'm really hanging on to this one. He changed it and went somewhere else. Okay. Yeah. Um, so this has been really interesting to hear how she does. It. And they're very, they're shorter songs and whatnot. Um, because they're just the nature of selections from his music and, and of larger productions. But yeah, I was a huge fan of this record. Um, just a really a huge fan of her, her singing. And it was just, um, the, the track I picked loving you was just one of the songs that was a huge, um, not that I was again, a huge fan of, but I think people will, will enjoy it if they're a huge, if they're a fan of her and then you also get the benefit of adding in Sondheim, something that a lot of listeners are probably not regularly checking out. Probably not. Probably just uh, when someone throws it on in a jazz context, I would guess. Right. Or maybe they're a musician like you and they get to play in the in the uh, Broadway orchestra or the pit orchestra. Yeah, maybe. I mean, who knows? Nice. Well, that's like quite quite a range here. You know, what also came out, I guess maybe it actually came out today, so it's technically not. February was Branford's record. Yeah. Branford's record. <laughs> yeah. And I'm really excited to go listen to that and then talk about it next month because yeah, it will okay. be on the playlist. Like I'm just oh, calling I'm sure. it right now. It okay. will be on yeah, the playlist. Yeah. I was listening to the, the windup this morning mm-hmm. from that record. Yeah. That and was... I noticed it's also on uh, Julian's record too. Is it really? It is. Unless it's a different tune. I haven't listened to the whole record, but okay. It's, it's the, called the windup, but maybe it's not. The windup is a Keith Jarrett tune, if for those right. that don't know, and uh, so kind of interesting to see it's coming back. It, might, it must be. I'll, I'll be waiting for my students to bring it in soon. <laughs> yeah, and I'm, look, I'm just really excited to. He, and I know again, this is next month upcoming, but really excited to check out his new uh, quartet record. Since what the last one that came out was Four uh, MFers playing tunes. Yeah, right. What, that was like four or five years ago. Yeah, like 2012. That's almost so seven that years. Seven yeah. years. Uh, I guess I shouldn't feel that bad about like 18 months apart of my record. <laughs> nah. Seven man, years. Good. Plus your trombone. Like that, that's much more than people expected anyways. Uh, okay. All right. Calm down there. <laughs> Calm down. All right. Well, Alan, thank you so much for putting together this playlist. To go and find it, go to uh, Spotify, search for Outside in Music. This is Jazz Today, and it'll come right up. Subscribe to that playlist so you can see all the new tracks. We add them once a month just before we do this podcast. So thanks for being here. Thanks again to Alan for putting that together. And we will see you back here next month for the March 2019 edition of This is Jazz Today.